Hello and welcome to Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. I hope everyone is doing well out there. Amidst the chaos, we've made it to episode 19. Yay! I just want to take a minute and say thank you to everyone for sticking with me and listening while I try to figure out exactly what I'm doing here. If you had told me a year ago that I would have a podcast with 19 short stories up on it within 12 months, all read by me, no doubt, I think the idea would be a good one, but a highly unlikely one. But here we are. Um, putting a mic in front of my face has been a whole leap outside of my comfort zone. And that's not even counting the live readings I've done. It's been by far the most challenging and exhilarating thing I've done. And it means the world to me that people actually listen. So thank you, seriously. So with that, let's talk about ending the first season of Dark Concepts. I didn't plan on doing this show as a per-season kind of podcast, but with the time demands of writing better quality stories and the the kind of stories I want to put out there, I feel I need to take a creative semi-hiatus to get these stories down. I say semi-hiatus because I'm still going to throw stories up on here from time to time, just not on a set bi-weekly schedule like I have been. I was planning on going back into my haunted hermit cave until about October, but given the state of things, I want to keep putting stuff out there. Also because my muse slash shadow person won't let me rest. I'm going to finish the season with the next one, episode 20, which will come out on the 20th of April. Something I actually didn't plan. (laughs) Um, And with that one, I'll explain further where I'm going forward. But until then... Let's get to the story. Trigger warning with this, though. There is domestic abuse in this story, and it can get pretty violent, So, uh, just so you know. When Margot's best friend shows up at her house at four in the morning with a voicemail from her abusive dead boyfriend, nothing could have prepared the two of them for the horror that ensues. Flicker. I mean... This is going to sound crazy, like, whoa, kind of crazy. Cassie sniffed back the threatening tears as she tried to begin going over the night's events, hands clasped around a mug of steaming coffee. It was just after four in the morning when Cassie arrived at Margot's apartment door, tears streaming down her pale face. It took Margot a while to get the girl to say anything, and once the story was out, and she heard the voicemail left on Cassie's phone, Margot didn't blame her best friend for the state she was in. Holy shit, was the only thing Margot could manage to say, her eyes focusing on the calming, flickering flame of the scented candle. What she had heard was impossible. But he's... that can't be right, she added after a moment of heavy silence. But it is, Margot. It is, and he's trying to get a hold of me. Cassie took another sip of coffee and sighed closing her eyes. The smell of the candle and the coffee mixed together in a miasma that was strange, but at the same time calming. It could be a really messed up joke. One of his stupid friends or something. Margaret tried to reason, but as soon as the words left her mouth, she realized it was impossible as it sounded. The voicemail was left by Danny. There could be no other way. Cassie didn't have enemies, at least none left now and least of all cruel enough to try to recreate her dead boyfriend's voice with a phone call in the middle of the night. 
Cassie began to say something but was cut off by Margot's phone as it began to go off somewhere in her apartment. Cassie's eyes became huge for a moment before the two of them realized it was just Margot's wake-up alarm. Be right back, Margot said, stifling a nervous laugh. She got up and walked into her bedroom to switch off the alarm. When she found her phone on the nightstand, she picked it up and tapped it off, and then froze. She had a voicemail waiting for her, although she never heard the phone ring. She glanced back towards the living room, then back at her phone and took a breath. At first, she heard nothing but static, and her heart began to thud louder in her temples until the mechanical voice called through the static, notifying her that there would be a two-hour delay this morning at the elementary school where she taught. Margot laughed and walked out into the living room and began to tell Cassie what had just happened, but when she looked up, she saw her friend standing in the middle of the room, coffee mug still clasped in her hand staring down the hallway towards the front door. Cassie? she asked, her voice cracking slightly. What's wrong? The door. Someone's at the door, Cassie said, not looking away. Then Margot heard it, the knocking. It was 5.30 in the morning. Who the hell would be at the door at this hour? She tentatively walked over and glanced through the peephole and felt a chill ripple through her. Nobody was on the other side. The knocking came again, but this time manifested as an angry pounding that shook the door and caused Margot to jump. She backed away and glanced at her friend, who was now deathly pale. There's nobody there, Margot said, her voice quivering as the hammering on the door continued, increasing with intensity. She brought the phone up, not knowing who to call, but as she did so, the hammering stopped. And in a split second before she turned the screen on, in the reflection of the black surface, she saw a pale, contorted face looming over her right shoulder. She jumped and ran into the living room with Cassie and turned to see nobody there. What the fuck? She screamed, her breaths coming in shallow heaves. What? Cassie asked, looking down the hallway. Just several stacked plates in Margot's kitchenette slid off the counter and crashed to the ground, shattering the heavy silence. Margot managed to grab Cassie by the arm and drag her into the bedroom, just as a wine glass sailed over their head and exploded against the living room wall, showering the two of them with shards of glass. Margot slammed the bedroom door shut and locked it, realizing in high sight the futility of doing so. After several more disembodied crashes from the living room and kitchenette, the apartment fell deathly silent. Danny? Cassie sobbed in the dimly lit bedroom. Her voice choked as tears began streaming down her face. Danny, you need to stop. All the items on Margot's dresser flew off and slammed into the wall, and Margot felt something shove her, forcing her to fall backwards onto the ground and crack her head against the hardwood floor. She blinked, trying to regain focus, and saw through popping stars that Cassie was now levitating, her feet several inches above the ground. Cassie? Margot tried to say, but it came out in a muffled sort of cough as she tried to get up. She saw Cassie's hands wrapped around her throat and realized the girl was being choked. Cassie! Margot yelled this time and found her footing, and in a split second, did the only thing she could think to do. She tackled the levitating girl from the air, forcing the two of them to crash onto the bed. Still in a daze, she grabbed Cassie by the arm and forced her onto her feet, and the two of them tried for the locked door. It all happened in a split second.
She felt her best friend wrench violently from her grip, screaming. In the same instant, she felt an invisible icy hand grip the back of her head and felt a swift and sinister shove towards the door. A flash of light with a loud bang, followed by the sound of splintering wood, then all-consuming darkness. Margot never liked Danny. Sure, he was cute, but she could see all the things that Cassie couldn't. She couldn't pinpoint them at first. Danny seemed impeccably friendly, upstanding, if a little lewd and uncouth at times. She thought it was the way he would catch him looking at Cassie from time to time with the eyes of a predator, a wolf on the prowl, and as it turned out, was indeed what he was. A monster in a suit of masculine perfection. She tried to warn Cassie about him, but soon it was too late and she was caught in the spiral of abuse, warrantless forgiveness, and self-pity. As much as she had tried to beg and even screamed at Cassie, Margot could only stand at a distance and watch as he wore down her best friend, down to a weary shadow of her former vibrant self. The girl she had known since kindergarten would have never put up with his depreciating words, his arrogance, his fists. The first thing she had felt when she learned that Danny had jammed his motorcycle beneath the tires of a tractor trailer was relief. There was only a split nanosecond where she attempted to correct her feelings. The man had just died in a horrible way, and Cassie still cared about him. But then she told those feelings where they could go. The man was a stupid show-off and got exactly what he deserved. Now Cassie could be free, and Margot hoped that, in time, she would be able to heal and understand that her time with Danny wasn't anything to cherish, but to look back on as a lesson. But when she thought it was all over, and the man's mangled remains were cremated and put into the ground, five days later, Cassie got the voicemail. She would have found it hard to believe, even with her best friend appearing at her house in the dark hours of the morning, if she had not been able to hear it for herself. It was Danny, all right. She could recognize that irate voice anywhere, as it had the distinct impression of making her go apoplectic without a conscious thought. Through her bouts of static, Margot could hear the man's voice screaming at Cassie, telling her she was going to die, telling her he was coming for her, telling her she was next. Margot was plenty ready to handle the son of a bitch while he was alive, but this was a whole different ballgame. Margot had a friend, a weird witchy friend from high school that both Cassie and she hadn't spoken to in years. Her name was Rachel Breckenridge, and after high school the two of them had never seen nor heard from Rachel again. It was during a sleepover that Rachel had read Cassie's poem, telling her about a significant sorrow that would impact her life. Margot remembered scoffing at the strange girl's predictions but something Rachel had said had always seemed to stick out when she forced Margaret's protesting hand into her own. Rachel had smiled at her with her odd, lopsided smile, her deep brown eyes dilated and showing nothing but black, shimmering spheres encased in white. Always keep a fire burning. Margot felt like she was floating. She couldn't see anything but a dull, flickering glow out of focus amidst a sea of darkness, and all she could hear was the pounding of something low, slow, and far away. She pulled her hands out and tried to look at them, but was shocked to see them glowing. What the hell? 
she said, her voice echoing impossibly as if she were standing inside of a great hall. She turned as her eyes came into focus and saw that she was in the ruin of her living room, levitating above the lit candle. How she had got there was impossible to know. The only thing she understood with solid panic was that she wasn't in her body anymore. This panic was momentarily suspended when she heard the strangled cry of Cassie from inside her locked bedroom. Before she could rationalize what had happened, she had flown across the room and slipped through the material of the door as if it were thin air. If having slipped through the solid door hadn't been shocking enough, the vision that she saw on the other side caught her breath to catch. Danny was standing in the center of the bedroom, his body still clad in the torn motorcycle jacket and jeans, his body radiating with a distinctive dark umbra that snuffed out the dim bedside lamp. His face was caved in on one side, revealing jagged shards of bone, and his skin was covered in blackened blood his single remaining eye glowing with a strange malevolent redness as he gleefully beheld the dying girl in his clutched and mangled hands. Let go of her! Margot screamed and forced herself towards Danny. As she reached the dark surrounding the spirit, she found that it was unimaginably cold, and she held out her hands through it anyway and found Danny's arm and face, giving him a hard shove. Upon contact, the places where Margot had touched him erupted into flames. He dropped Cassie and began flailing backwards, the room now alight with the strange flames dancing off of him. He turned to her, his caved-in face and single gleaming eye, and with an inhuman bellow that shook the apartment, charged at her, bringing with him what looked like a cresting wave of darkness. Margot moved between Cassie and the monster as the wave fell upon her. Everything went dark and silent in that instant, but was immediately followed by the pain of thousands of tiny needles of ice stabbing into whatever matter constituted her being now. She tried to scream but found no sound in this bleak void. Far, far away. She could just manage to hear the strangled cries of Cassie as she tried to survive Danny's incorporeal assault. She heard the roar again, but also heard that slow, muffled pounding. The pounding that soon came faster and faster. Margot closed her eyes and soon found herself seeing the flickering flame again. And then she reached for it. A burst of searing heat and blinding light exploded around her. And she felt her body begin to thrum with something. Something she could only describe as power. All she knew was when she opened her eyes, she was lying on the floor. Something sticky and wet was running down her face, and her right eye was dark and unseeing. She was back in her body, an excruciating reunion. Cursing with pain and seeing with her good eyes, she saw Cassie in the form of Danny, although transparent and wavering, straddling her. She could see Cassie's bloodshot eyes beginning to bulge out of her skull, her face going blue. With a scream, Margot got uneasily to her feet and lunged toward the form of Danny and swung her fist with everything she had left. To her surprise, the fist connected on the side of his already crushed skull and engulfed the entire form in dark aura with a violent rush of very real flames. Margot crashed to the ground and watched as a spirit spun and fell onto the bed, catching it on fire. Unthinking, Margot grabbed up Cassie and dragged her, forcing the door open as a spirit form on the bed exploded 
showering the room with a gout of singeing fire, signaling the apartment's fire alarm and sprinkler system. She dragged Cassie out into the hallway, feeling the water run down her injured face, and saw Cassie open her eyes weakly before Margot faded into unconsciousness. The first thing she realized when she awoke in the hospital bed was that her right eye was still busted, but she could make out faint shadows, thus proving that what had happened had indeed happened. She would later find that her orbital socket was fractured, but luckily she would regain her sight in time. She did have a serious concussion, however, and was going to have to stay under observation for a few days. What the hell did you tell the police? was the first thing Margot asked Cassie, who was wearing a neck brace and sporting bloodshot eyes. Other than looking like hell, she was fine. I told them there was a home invasion, and in the struggle a candle got knocked onto the bed, which some nail polish fell onto and uh, made the explosion. Margot nodded, and the room fell silent. What actually happened? Cassie eventually asked. Margot's left eye met hers, and then she looked away. To be honest, I have no idea. I don't really remember. She lied. The truth was, she remembered everything in vivid detail, but didn't feel it was time to be discussing it. And part of her felt that whatever crazy shit she did to Danny's spirit didn't fully banish his influence over her best friend. She feared speaking his name would somehow evoke him again. Margaret would tell Cassie all about the out-of-body experience and seeing Danny, but not any time soon. Cassie sat with her a little while before getting up to leave. Oh, I almost forgot, she said, reaching into her pocket and pulling out a small card. She handed it to Margot, who studied the f- design on the front. There was no words, but instead some kind of symbol, an ornate orb, and what looked to be a serpent encircling it, catching its tail. In the center was an unusual eight-pointed star with strange symbols surrounding it. Margot scrunched her nose in confusion and looked up at Cassie, who simply shrugged. Some girl in a black hoodie handed it to me while we were getting into the ambulance and told me to give it to you. I really didn't get a good look at her. She seemed to vanish as soon as she handed it to me. She left a moment later as Margot held the card in her hand. She felt the strange thumbing from before and felt the need to place her thumb over the symbol on the card. As she did so, bright and searing pain bit into her thumb and she dropped it onto her lap. When she glanced down at it, the now charred card, she saw that the strange symbol was now gone, and a flowing calligraphic text had somehow appeared. The guardians of the firmament require your assistance. This is a draft notice. We'll be in touch. As she finished reading the strange little note, she gasped as it crumbled to ash before her eyes. And though it was gone, the pain that had bitten to her thumb remained, as did the thrumming that seemed to resonate with her every heartbeat. Something incredibly strange happened in her apartment, and now she realized that someone else knew what had happened. She sat back in the bed and wondered who or what these guardians were. But as she watched the sunlight of the fading day dance through the branches of the tree outside, she supposed she would learn soon enough.
If you ever wanted to start your own podcast, I'll say from personal experience, Buzzsprout is a great way to go about it. I've been with Buzzsprout from the start and am extremely happy with the results. If you're like me and don't know the ins and outs of anything having to do with a podcast or what you'll need to start one, they'll have you covered. Buzzsprout has tons of resources to help you get your ideas off the ground. Two of my favorite features about having a podcast through them is the analytics on the podcast webpage and how seamless it is to place audio players of my episodes into my Squarespace website. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know I sent you, get you a $20 Amazon gift card, and help support the show. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave a like, a rating, a review, and subscribe if you so desire. To explore these concepts further or just keep up on what's happening with the podcast or any of my written works, brianjcummings.com is a great place to connect and learn more about what's going on behind the scenes as well as read the stories in a tight format. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook where every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I release two-sentence horror stories. Kind of. At the moment, I'm kind of slacking on those, but um, yeah, I'll get back to them. I shall return in two weeks' time with another tale channeled from the darkness of the witching hour. So until then, keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out. She felt her best friend, Fen, her best friend, there's an R.